It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1138 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is a new app that helps you save money by making you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or that you don't need. And it can even help you negotiate better deals on those subscriptions that you want to keep. Today's podcast, we'll get into what became a 111-99 win for the Hawks on the road in Orlando. Kind of a breezy overall victory for the Hawks. Their fifth consecutive road win and also fifth win in a row over the Magic anywhere. And uh, stuff sort of a skid that the Hawks were on, losing four of the last five before this. And honestly, sort of a get-right game in a lot of respects. Orlando's not very good. That's worth pointing out. But the Hawks led this game almost wire to wire. They led by 14 at the half after a pretty good offensive showing in the first half. They led by as many as 20 in the third quarter. And uh, although Trey Young left the game briefly with a neck cramp, he, he was able to come back in. And the lead never got closer than 16 in the competitive portion of the fourth quarter before some garbage time. Tom Foolery sort of, uh, I guess dwindled the lead down to 12, but really the Hawks won this game by, you know, 16, 18, 20 points, something like that in the competitive portion, and a lot of positives to take away from sort of a bounce back, taking care of business kind of night for Atlanta. Uh, coming into the night, it is worth noting again, Orlando has the second worst record in the league and the worst net rating in the NBA coming into the night. They were also without Mo Bamba, Jalen Suggs, as well as other guys who've been out for the year, like Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. The Hawks also shorthanded still by Donovich, Hunter, Okongwu, Hill, all out of the lineup. Uh, Sharif Cooper was with the Hawks in this game. Millen did say pregame, actually, and I was uh, honestly kind of amazed by his candor. Jalen Johnson apparently wanted to go back to College Park to get some more playing time, and Sharif Cooper wanted to stay up with Atlanta, so they obliged on both counts, basically, is what Nate was saying, and and uh, essentially that ends up with Sharif with the Big League Club on this trip anyway. And then Jalen in College Park where he played on Tuesday. And he did say, and obviously it played out during the game as well, that almost nothing has changed when it, when it comes to the rotation and all that stuff. Uh, Cooper was the was the one guy who did not play that was active in this contest until, gar- until garbage time. So no real changes, but Sharif was able to uh, stick around with the team in this game. Uh, our friends at BetOnline.ag had the Hawks as 7.5 point road favorites in this contest. It's not a huge number necessarily, but it's the second largest spread of the season for the Hawks in a road game actually behind an early game against Cleveland that they lost on the road, but Cleveland obviously is much better than we thought they were going to be coming into the year, so this is probably the Hawks' easiest game on the road this season on paper, and uh, they were able to, of course, uh, hold on tightly, I would say, down the stretch to cover the spread and uh, win pretty comfortably. So, we'll get into the game now, and sort of interestingly, it's not too much of uh, indicator of much else, but the first possession of the game, and the first bucket of the game, was actually a TLC drive and sort of a mid-range pull-up off the glass. That's like what I projected as the first points of the night, but the Hawks did start off this game well, 15-7 to uh, before the uh, first timeout. It was a, you know, they, they made seven of their first eight two-point attempts. They were kind of efficient in attacking the rim there. A nice outlet pass by Trey Young and John Collins for a dunk, and the Capella I thought was really active early on. The whole team was really, I thought, flying around in the early going. Not always playing perfectly well, but certainly the energy level was pretty high at the outset 
bit after the uh, scuffles that they've had in the uh, recent days. Rotationally, there was one major tweak in this game. They actually brought DeLon Wright in as the first perimeter sub in both halves. He came in for TLC and played alongside Trey Young and Kevin Herter, uh, both in the first and third quarters. Uh, then they brought in Gallo at the usual time also, and Gallo kind of struggled out of the gate in this game. But that was sort of the major tweak, and then we'll get into some more stuff later. But that was uh, noteworthy. They had, they had Trey come back in for a brief stint in the first half. Not the second half, but that might be because he left the game with the neck cramp that he uh, endured in the spot. The Hawks scored very, very well in the first seven minutes, but about a point and a half for possession. That's obviously excellent. Uh, went, went a little bit cold later on. Actually missed four straight shots. But Orlando was 6-19 from the floor to kind of keep the Hawks in front. And the Hawks went to this full bench unit with about three minutes to go in the first quarter that nobody likes, including myself. Um, it didn't last that long, though. They brought Trey back in, actually, alongside Lou Williams. I don't understand the Lou-Trey pairing, and especially with Gallinari. Those three guys, especially when you're trailing, uh, sorry, when you're leading, and in the first quarter, I don't really understand the reason to play those guys together. But alas, that's a uh, pretty much a nightly complaint for me when it happens, so I'll leave it there for now. But the Hawks uh, didn't score, actually, for about three and a half minutes late in the first quarter. Ended up keeping the lead, and then had an 8-2 run at the end of the quarter to go up by 10. Um, a good best possession, actually, that I wanted to note. Cam used his anticipation to get a steal, and then the Magic just didn't, didn't pick him up in transition. He kind of walked into a top of the key three as a trailman. That was a nice possession by Cam on both ends of the floor. Uh, the Magic, though, did uh, end the first quarter very hot, actually. They scored the last eight points, and it honestly should have been ten. Uh, Orlando missed a dunk with about two seconds to go. Had the Hawks had the lead at the end of the first quarter. It should have been tied, honestly. Uh, the Hawks kind of gave up uh, with a little bit of that at like the last, I don't know, minute and a half, two minutes of that quarter. It was not very good for Atlanta. They, did, they didn't shoot well from three in the first quarter, one of seven, but got to the line six times, got to the rim a few, a few different times. They won the glass, et cetera, and Trey had 13 points. They kind of held Orlando in check as well. Uh, and rest of the first half was kind of this uh, instance of, of back and forth in some respects, but the Hawks ended up winning that second quarter in dominant fashion, 37-25. to 25. It was their best offensive quarter of the night by a pretty wide margin. Um, they brought in Collins and DeLon Wright to begin the second quarter. They kind of a throwback, actually, when they had Trey get two different rests in the first half. But... Um, Lou actually had the first eight points of the second quarter for Atlanta. That doesn't happen often, but actually he had two straight threes that were set up and assisted by other people. And sometimes Lou, you know, Lou's a pretty good shooter off the catch, but usually it's him with the ball in his hands, so you don't often see him spotting up, and he had two, he had two straight spot-up threes, which is uh, not always what's going to happen there. A uh, nice drive by DeLon Wright that I wanted to make note of. He drove to the rim, got the attention, and then found Collins in the corner for a three. But the Hawks couldn't get a lot of stops with the bench, especially the bench-heavy lineups in the first half. They were really kind of struggling to get, um, to get consistent stops, even if they had bad Orlando offense. Um, there was an awesome outlet pass by Capella to Collins, who finished with his uh, sort of one of his trademark finishes in transition, and the Capella sort of walled up on the next possession to force a, force a miss at the rim. I thought he was pretty good in this game. We'll come back to him later on. Um, there was a preposterously impressive uh, lookaway pass that Trey threw to Capella for a layup as well. Um, rotationally, they actually used TLC at the four very briefly alongside Young, Herder, and Reddish after he sat for a long while, but it only lasted about a minute. Actually, they went back to the starters after that because, at least in part, because Nate called timeout right after that. And they gave up a pretty easy layup. I'm not sure if that was because of they went small, but it was uh, there was there was I guess I guess some confusion along the way there. It didn't last very long. They kind of went back to the traditional lineup pretty quickly in that spot. Um, they did score the first eight points out of that timeout though to go up 15 points. Collins had a quarter three after a great pass by Trey Young, and then Kevin Herter had a nice three point play, a, a sort of a high arcing like 10, 12 footer plus the foul. Um, this is a very, very small complaint, but there was one little thing that Nate did not do at the end of the half that was uh, not great. 
Um, after forcing a shot clock violation at the very end of the half, the Hawks had the ball with about three and a half seconds to go. And again, three, three and a half seconds is not going to do too much there. But they left Capella in the game on offense, which I don't really understand why you would do uh, heading into the halftime break. He doesn't really give you much there at all on a possession where you have to go you know, a long way and kind of run something. So might, might have gone back to Gallinari there. It didn't really matter. They didn't score there, but something to at least note in a small complaint on my end. Still, though, the Hawks led by 14 at the break because of the offense. The offense was awesome in the first half. A 130 offensive rating, uh, 53% from the floor, 40% from three. Not a lot of volume from three-point range. They took actually a lot of mid-rangers in this game, probably too many in my mind, but it was not necessarily uh, holding them back either. They got to the line 10 times, made all 10. They had 14 assists, five turnovers in the first half. That's obviously excellent. And uh, they didn't win a ton on the glass, but they, uh, you know, Trey had 19 at the break, Collins had 13 at the break, and then defensively they did enough to uh, be dangerous at the halftime break because Orlando scored exactly one point per possession in the first half. And, uh, you know, it's pretty good by the numbers. I will say, again, the Hawks didn't play particularly well, I, don't, I didn't think defensively, but it wasn't bad either. And when you play decently against Orlando, who's bad, that, that kind of helps your numbers, and that's worth pointing out in this spot. Uh, before we get to the second half and a lot of takeaways from this contest, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Hawks fans, you've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months now, and uh, I have to ask you, have you signed up yet? Because if you haven't, Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you've not checked it out just yet, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you're going to have to love this app for NBA and mixed spots, pickums. The Christmas Day games as well are going to be off the charts and even more fun if you're playing at Prize Picks because Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as the bench players only recording a handful of minutes in each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, three-pointers made, etc. And all the users that deposit and use the promo code will, pre- will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 if you, pre- if you use the promo code MBA. That is promo code MBA for 100% instant deposit match up to $100. If you pick two, two to five players and an overrunner of projections, you can win up to 10, th- 10 times on the entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows you to have mixed sports entries and you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in seconds or less. It's just that easy, and PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. If you go to PrizePix.com today, use the promo code NBA, or go to the App Store and download the app. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, we'll dive in the second half now. And the Hawks did lead by 18 early on after John Collins scored four points in a row at the outset of the third quarter. Orlando did answer with a 9-2 run of their own to cut it back to 11, but the Hawks then scored back-to-back buckets to force the Magic into a timeout. Rotationally, it was kind of similar in a lot of ways, but it was kind of a slugfest early in the third quarter. It was 14-11 with about you know three minutes to go in the third period. It wasn't as bad as the fourth quarter was, but you know the Hawks kind of just like, I don't know, slugged it out with the Magic, kind of kept the margin where it was for a large portion of that. But they sort of, kept, the league kept creeping up a little bit. It was 19 
um, at one point, despite the Hawks only being 6-19 from three. They were not shooting the ball very well. Uh, Trey Young actually went to the locker room with about three minutes to go in the third quarter. He got hit in the face by Cole Anthony earlier in the game, and he was actually asked by Sarah Spencer, I believe it was, after the game, and Trey said, you know, his neck was kind of bothering him for the last uh, couple of days or so, and then when he got hit by Anthony with an elbow, that kind of, uh, I don't know if it jerked it a little bit and made it a little bit worse. So he, he got to the locker room, gave him some treatment. McMillan said he was never, like, you know, worried about him coming back in. They had to get him treated, and he kind of came back in when he normally would have. So I'm not really sure what to make of that, but at the same time, he did leave the game, go to the locker room for a few minutes, and worth it, even though he came back in. Uh, they went to the bench plus Capella at the uh, sort of late in the third quarter after a stoppage when it was a 19-point lead. It was pretty ugly down the stretch, honestly, but uh, three different very big three-pointers. The first two by Cam Reddish um, in comfortable fashion. He actually had a good shooting night in this game. That kept the margin kind of where it was, and then Gallo hit a three at the buzzer. The Hawks scored 11 points in the final 148 of the third quarter to kind of rescue what was a kind of middling third quarter overall, and that gave the Hawks a 20-point lead at the end of the third period, and uh, all the jokes happened then about, you know, could they, could they hold the lead against this bad Orlando team, and they were able to. But Orlando got to the line actually 10 times in the third quarter, but they shot 5 of 20, and that kind of allowed the Hawks to build their lead a little bit, and the, and the Hawks actually had 9 assists in the third quarter as well. Um, Gallo opened the fourth quarter with a 3, and that capped an 11-2 overall run, again, like 14 points at about, I don't know, two and a half, three minutes for the Hawks uh, to go up by 23. That was their largest lead of the night um, at that point. It was kind of, uh, you know, comfortable from that point forward. Um, they used Capella as the bridge guy at the end of the third quarter. Then they went to Collins at the beginning of the fourth. They didn't play Gorgie Jang in the fourth, uh, sorry, the second half at all after he played in the first half. Um, they led by 18, about eight minutes to go. That was probably the time where it was, I guess, I guess most tenuous and even then. Up 18 with 18 minutes, 18 minutes to go is not like a bad situation at all, obviously. They kept the bench in after that, which kind of surprised me, at least a little bit. They probably could have gone back to the Stars a little bit earlier in this game. It didn't matter because they were able to trade buckets from there for like a two-and-a-half-minute period. They kind of just both scored almost every trip. Um, but the Magic kept turning them all over. They had seven turnovers in the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter kind of uh, break up some of that monotony. They brought Trey Young back in for the first time after he uh, left the game with that neck cramp. With about six minutes to go, they were up by 20. Kind of an interesting spot, like where Nate's kind of straddling the line between, like, do you want to bring these guys back at all? And also, Trey's coming off this weird injury, etc. But they brought him in first, which was curious. They didn't bring Capella and Herter in until later, which was uh, a little bit strange. I don't know what the, I wasn't like, I'm not criticizing, it was just kind of a strange um, will they or won't they kind of thing with the lead. But it was a little bit, you know, it wasn't over, over. It wasn't like 30, if they went up by 30, you wouldn't have seen Trey, I don't think, again. But because it was 19, 20, something like that, it wasn't totally over, and they brought him back in the game. Um, it was probably over already down the stretch, but when Trey hit a dagger three with like 2.40 to go, put the lead up, up, up to 21, that was basically the sign to end the night. They went to a timeout, and they kind of emptied the bench. It was the Street Cooper show from that point forward, and they brought in Gorgie, et cetera. So it was kind of over, and honestly, they never really made a charge. You know, the final margin of 12 is a lot less than it probably should have been. The Hawks were up. Again, 21 with three minutes to go, and um, if they had been trying, it would have been much more than 12. The closest the lead got to uh, being tenuous was 16 before the uh, garbage time actually started. So a comfortable win for the Hawks in the second half. Um, offensively, the Hawks were quite good in this game. Um, you know, Ended up scoring about 1.2 points per possession in the competitive portion. That's very, very solid. It's not like two, It's not like crazy elite against the bad defense in Orlando, but um, they shot the ball pretty well, 49% from the floor. 36% from three, and then perfect to the free throw line, actually. Flawless. That's always good. Um, and even better than that before garbage time set in. 13 turnovers, but I think only two or three of those were in the final couple minutes, so not too bad there. Um, took care of business for the most part. Um, the only real nitpick on the offensive end of the floor was the lack of offensive rebounding, second chance points. But um, with the exception of that, they took care of the ball. They made shots. They took 
largely quality looks, probably a couple too many mid-rangers for me, but alas, they did a good job on offense in this game. Uh, defensively, they held the Magic to about a point per possession in the entire game. Um, that's obviously quite good. Uh, it's worth pointing out, I don't want to go crazy about this, if you ask me, like, you know, for context, to kind of removing the, appointment, the opponent adjustment away from, from the game here, I think the Hawks were, like, okay on defense. There were some good moments. There were some not good moments. Um, they have not fixed everything on this one night. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at the numbers, anytime you hold a team to like 101 points per 100, points per 100 possessions, that's excellent. But Orlando kind of averages that. It was an average scoring night for Orlando, almost almost to the number. Um, they are third worst in the league or second worst in the league in offense. So that's not anything anything great, but because they just they did score their average against the Hawks. It wasn't like the Hawks shut them down at a super weird level. So I think the Hawks played okay defensively, but probably not as good as the numbers indicate. Orlando missed a bunch of good looks. They shot uh, about 38% from the floor, less 30% from the three as well. The Hawks gave up too many offensive rebounds in this game, which Nate did talk about after the game. They were trying to gain rebound. It wasn't like a disaster, but probably a few too many second chances for Orlando. But they generated 17 turnovers. That's probably the Hawks' worst thing on defense is uh, creating havoc. And in this game, they were able to do that, and that kind of uh, tipped the scales in their direction. Um, All told, though, and we'll get into the player stuff in a second, but you know, a nice sort of solid good win. You know, when the starters played, they were awesome in this game. You know, you know, the four main starters, Young, Herder, Capella, and Collins, were all plus 15 or better in the game. And that's probably a good indication of how the game went, honestly. They were the better team. They are the better team. I was pretty confident the Hawks would win this game. Um, you know, I, nothing's a must-win at this point in the season, but Trey even kind of talked about that as they were a little bit, um, you know, not quite must-win mode, but still a little bit of urgency here. And I, said, I sort of mentioned that too. Like, if there was ever a game that you, you know, probably don't want to lose in December, it's this one after you just blew that lead to a better uh, Houston team. You go to Orlando, and Orlando's pretty bad. And by the way, they're coming here later on uh, in, this, in this little um, easier stretch on the schedule. But uh, winning this game was paramount, and they went out and won it. So that's kind of all that matters at the end of the day. All right, before we get to the player section of the podcast and a little bit of a look ahead to what's coming up next, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Stance. I've been hearing a lot about Stance Apparel lately, especially because they've been launching a new line of active apparel, plus it's holiday gift-giving time, and Stance is the coolest gift that you can give. It's incredibly comfortable and well-made. Their socks, their shirts, their joggers, and their hoodies. And Stance is so much different than everybody else because, honestly, a lot of the stuff is boring. Socks, underwear, apparel that we always have to sell back in for at the end of the day. But Stance changes the mindset by offering color, comfort, and creativity like no other. Stance was founded in 2009. We're presenting a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good, do good, and you can go see for yourself by registering for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase using the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Once again, that is promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, 15% off at stance.com. Enjoy the color and comfort of a less ordinary life with Stance. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we'll close the show now with some uh, individual player thoughts on the podcast. And honestly, it was pretty balanced for Atlanta, at least in terms of the scoring load. The bench was uh, okay 
I thought, in this game. That's kind of, it wasn't fantastic, but they, they did their job for the most part. Um, Gorgie Jang only played the one stint in the first half minutes in garbage time, did not score, actually had four fouls in six minutes, which is a little bit strange. His plus minus is uh, off, off a little bit because of the uh, garbage time stuff, but he was okay in the first half, didn't do much, had a steal, etc. Uh, Sharif Cooper got two points in three minutes. Nothing else to really add on that. Uh, DeLon Wright only had two points, but did his was actually I thought he was pretty good, honestly. Played some more on the wing today um, alongside Trey and Herter. Um, again, again, two points, but had five assists, two rebounds, a steal, and two blocks from a uh, 6'5 guard or so. Um, he was good, just kind of doing the little things as he always does. Only took one shot, which certainly isn't great. You want him to be more aggressive than that. Even I, uh, as someone who likes the little stuff that he does, would point out that he needs to be more aggressive than that. But he got to, he got to the rim a few times and kind of created some opportunities off, off the pass, and um, I wanted him to be looking a little bit more to score, but still, I thought he was a general positive in this game. Uh, Lou Williams had some moments. Uh, 14 points on, on 12 shooting possessions is okay for Lou. He did his job, and then he did generate some offense. He had three turnovers. Actually, it was the team high. Um, was plus two in his minutes, in 18 minutes. Um, took a lot of shots. You know, 12 shooting possessions in 18 minutes is a lot. But McMillan actually was asked after the game kind of what their plan is. Uh, Kevin Chenard asked that question of Hawks.com, um, what their plan is to kind of run the offense without Trey on the floor. And he talked about, again, as he has a couple times, but I, I think pretty candidly, they want to run the offense through Lou and Gallo on the second unit. And that's what Dayton has said. And, yes, he did mention they're going to draw some stuff up for Cam Reddish as they were in this game a little bit as well. But um, I think their plan, at least for now still, is going to be Lou and Gallo, you know, old, old man <laughs> slowed on offense. And uh, when Lou has it, that's going to be okay. If Lou doesn't have it, though, is when you get into trouble. And I've sort of said that a lot in the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to do the whole thing again now. But on this night, he did enough to uh, be playable. And there you go on that. Um, I thought Cam was good in this game. 13 points, three rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Uh, I think he only took one, maybe two shots that I wanted to, uh, you, know, you know, criticize. But everything else was really under control. Particularly the threes. You know, he had three threes in a row to start the game. Actually, missed his last three, but um, he was in control of his, uh, you know, of his of his motion, catching shoots up stuff. Still looked really good. And when when his feet are set, like Cam is shooting the ball quite well this season. Um, still, you know, career highs and three point percentage, all that stuff. Um, didn't do a ton off the dribble in this game, which is okay. He doesn't have to. He's kind of playing a smaller role in offense, which is okay for right now. I think that's probably what he needs to be doing. And then defensively, he caused, he caused some havoc. Had a couple of moments that everybody else had as well. Had a steal, you know, had, had an assist, no turnovers. Uh, just a solid night for game overall, I thought, playing with himself and uh, being a positive contributor. And then Gallo, uh, hit and miss for sure, but had 10 points on seven shooting possessions. That's obviously quite solid. Two, four from three. Hit one big one at the end of the third quarter. Had three assists and a steal. Um, two turnovers, um, probably too many off the bench in this game. In fact, I believe, yeah, nine of the 13 turnovers came, came, came from the bench guy. That's the one sort of black mark on the bench, plus the defense was not good, as it pretty much never is with Gallo and Lou on the court. But uh, I thought Gallo was okay. Uh, to the starters, TLC was the quietest one, but I thought he played very solidly. It was just kind of reminiscent of his uh, early performances. You know, Monday, last Monday, I should say, he had the explosion against Minnesota when he went, hit, hit all those threes. And then the, the night against Brooklyn, uh, he played good defense on, on KD, and he, was, he kind of struggled the other night after that against Houston. But um, in this game, I thought TLC was fine. He kind of did little things, didn't, didn't hunt a shot probably enough for me, but had seven points, two, two rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Played good defense, and uh, was just kind of out there doing what he needs to do. Uh, just kind of fill that role. And the other four stars were all pretty good. Uh, Capella was kind of an understated game. Uh, seven points, 11 rebounds, had four assists, which is uh, very high for Clint. Had two blocks and a steal. He wasn't, like, dominant, but I thought he was pretty good in this game. Kind of doing the little things, rebounding the ball well. Um, 
showing a little bit more force. Had a pretty forceful block at one point. I know Tower Jones, friend of the podcast, mentioned that, and uh, he was right about that. Kind of one of his bigger flash plays in the last week or two. Um, I thought Clint was a solid like B B plus in this game. Played well. wasn't great, but was totally fine and was plus twenty one in his minutes. Um, Kevin Herter was solid, even though he didn't shoot he didn't shoot well at all. Had seven points, but had five assists, a steal, a block, three rebounds. Kind of did his uh, floor game stuff in this game. Plus 20, but with 3 of 5 on 2s and 0 of 4 on 3s. So it's harder for him to make a huge offensive impact without making 3s, but he did I did enough in this game. He actually led the team. It was uh, it was Wright and Herter that co-led the team in assists in this game, which is not something you always see on this team. Uh, John Collins, very good across the board. 21 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists. I kind of made the joke, and it's not new ground necessarily on this podcast, but, man, it, it really is stark to me still that Collins gets no calls. It, I don't understand it. I'll never understand it. Um, I'm not someone who writes about officials, but it was uh, it's crazy to me. There was a couple of times in this game I just could not believe they didn't get the call, and he never does. But 36 minutes to lead the team by a lot and was plus 23. He was really good the entire night on pretty much every facet of the game. So another nice night for John in his uh, you know breakout campaign, I would say his best season of his career so far. And then Trey Young, um, 28 points in 30 minutes. Uh, actually, for him to get 28 points and do it reasonably efficiently despite shooting one of eight from three is really good because he was 10 of 14 on twos and five of five at the line. So you're going to have him have better nights than this from three, but he had everything else going in this game. The passing was still good despite only having four assists. That's obviously low for him, but only one turnover as well. That's pretty good. You'll take that from Trey even with the low assist total. So I thought he was pretty good. Um, you know, He probably would have been probably playing, I would say, you know, two or three minutes more had he not had the uh, the neck injury that forced him to the, to the bench. And hopefully that's not going to linger into the weekend. But in general, not a lot of negatives in this game. You know, some guys played it better than others, I thought, for sure. But uh, a roundly solid night at the office and, uh, again, taking care of business in a pretty meaningful spot. From here, the Hawks will return back home on, thir- well, I guess probably tonight as we were listening to this podcast, into Thursday morning. And then they'll have an off day Thursday, um, put, put, I guess probably some practice of some, of some kind. And then Friday night at home against Denver is their next game on the agenda. Now, that's a weird one in that Denver has been good for a while, and they have an MVP, uh, MVP candidate and the reigning MVP and Nicole Jokic. But that team is kind of banged up right now. So I mentioned when I talked about this uh, the stretch of the schedule, um, you know, Denver – is a game, not that the Hawks are definitely going to win by any means, but they'll be favored in that game. As long as they are relatively healthy, they'll be favored in that game because they're at home. And Denver is not Denver right now. Like, for instance, I'm recording this podcast, um, you know, into the evening here on Wednesday. They're actually losing late to the Wolves. I'm not sure if they're going to lose that game or not. But they'll either be 14-14 and 14 or 15-13 and 13 on the season when they come to Atlanta. And uh, Michael Porter Jr., out for the season. Um, Jamal Murray, still out for a long time. And they're playing guys on, their, on this roster that probably are not rotation-caliber players. Now, so Jokic is always a problem. He's awesome. Um, they still have guys like Aaron Gordon and Will Barton and Monty Morris. They have some guys. But um, that's a game in which the Hawks are favored and probably should be favored to win that game. Now, it's, that's a lot more difficult than playing the Magic, that's for sure. But uh, interesting sort of test spot for the Hawks at home on Friday, and that's the next thing on the agenda. Um, I am traveling, which you probably heard on the quality of this podcast. My apologies for that. But um, So no podcast on Thursday evening, barring something crazy. But we, we had the extra show earlier this week. So we, this is actually our fourth show of the week. Our fifth show of the week will be Friday night after the game, uh, Hawks Nuggets. Um, so keep that in mind. But please, please, please subscribe to the show. There's actually recently been visits from Tower Jones, good friend of the podcast, last week. And then also a two-part episode with Brian Schroeder, one of which dropped on Monday, the other one on Wednesday. 
game recaps, all that fun stuff, please subscribe to the podcast. Please follow the show if you enjoy that on whichever podcast platform that you would like to. Five-star ratings definitely help if you like the podcast as well on Apple and other, other platforms. And uh, yeah, all that fun stuff. Please tell your friends about the show as well. I cannot emphasize, emphasize that enough. Word of mouth is the biggest thing to grow podcasts. So uh, please, 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 if you know Hawks fans in your life that might enjoy the show, share it with them. Hopefully they'll be hooked on the podcast as well. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you after the game on Friday night. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.